Why would anybody turn the death of 14-year-old Emmett Till into a, an opera? You're listening to Social Misfit. What's going on, Misfits? I'm going to let you know right now. I'm letting you know right now up top, okay? She, her, me has been definitely going through it, okay? Emotionally, mentally. That's why this podcast almost didn't come out this week. But the reason why I had to do it is because I have this weird thing in my in my head where like if I know I have a task that I'm supposed to do, I can't do the next thing until I do that task. So, yes, this is a Tuesday and the podcast is a day late, but it was either not do the podcast and do nothing for the rest of the week or do the podcast late so I can move on. And I realized that the reason why my body was telling me that I need to do this podcast is because I have so many things that are just going on in my mind. And I realized I had a lot of things going on in my mind because I went on Twitter and I'm really, very rarely on Twitter anymore. So I'm on Twitter and I have so many things that I'm like replying to and, you know, like they call it like death scrolling when you're just like constantly like scrolling, seeing, refresh and see what else people are talking about between Ukraine and motherfucking TikTok cult dance group. I mean, I'll touch on that. But um, if you really want like a deep dive, you should follow uh, Naima. That's at Naima. N-A-I-M-A is a friend to the show. She's been on the Afterglow. She's been a guest on Chloe Across America. She's an amazing music expert slash journalist. And she does this deep dive on this religious group called 7M who have decided that a part of getting to uh, convert the world to Christianity in preparation of the second coming of the Lord is to sign on popular TikTok dance groups or dancers, move them into a house, sanitize them from all sexuality and spunk and swag and have them dance to like very easygoing tunes and like cosplay as like holistic christian married couples it's a whole thing it's a whole thing so between tiktok dance cults and and ukraine and you know just women's history month and dealing with how hard it is out here for people of a certain hue and women who have so much to overcome it was a lot oh oh, you know what it is (laughs) I am so stupid. You know why I'm feeling this way? I'm PMSing. That is why I feel this way. Y'all, I just I just solved the problem. I just figured out the problem. I am PM DMSing. And that is why my mind is all a mess. And every woman that is listening to me understands exactly what I'm talking about. Because why is it that we always go through this every single month? We just feel all the feels. We don't know what's wrong with us. And then all of a sudden it just dawns on you like, oh, yeah, duh, I'm getting my period soon. Problem solved, y'all. I feel so much better. Okay, we're going to have a good episode. I'm ready. I'm prepared. I actually like wrote this out yesterday and I sat down to do it and I was just like, I can't because the world is ending. And then just now I was talking with my cousin and I was like, hey, y'all, I really don't know if I can do this show. I'm like really dragging ass right now. Like emotionally, I'm all over the place. I just don't understand. And them bitches didn't even say to me, oh, bitch, you know, we PMSing because, you know, we PMS as a group. 
you know, the three of us, like we are on the same cycle. Not one of them said, duh, you're PMSing. That's why you're feeling this way. Not a single one of them. (sighs) And before I realized that my period was coming, I sat down and I pressed record and I said, I'll do the best I can for what I got. But now that I've shed some light on why I'm feeling all chemically imbalanced, let's motherfucking go. Let's do this. Okay. I feel better now. <laughs> so serious. I feel better. Okay. So, um, where do we start? Yes, we are on the precipice of a possible World War Three. We talked about this previously, but now the big hoop of today is gas prices are going up. And I purposely filled my gas tank last week because I was like, just in case, <laughs> just in case things get hairy. Let me fill up my gas tank, which I did. And I haven't really driven my car because I haven't had a need to drive my car. But I think it's so interesting how just a couple of days ago, Americans were like, how can we support Ukraine? How can we help out? How can we make things better? And then today, President Biden was like, hey, we're going to put a ban on all Russian oil and gas imports, which means that gas prices are going to go up. People are like, this is fucking bullshit. And it's like, why don't we know how to sacrifice? Why don't we understand that this action is saving people's lives? Why don't we realize that? And that's just, that's just like the, that's just the moment. Like that's the thing of the moment, right? But really the deeper conversation was, which is what I hope we continue to have is our reliance on fossil fuels is ridiculous. It is 2022 and I want my motherfucking flying car. The Jetsons lied to us. Where is my flying car? Where is my robot? I got a Roomba. It's close, but no cigar. And don't get me wrong. I love my Roomba, girl. I will set that shit on and forget it. And it will actually clean and dock itself back. It's acting a little shady recently. Like it will just like clean and then die not close to its recharging station. But I also have not connected it to the app on my phone because I don't know, want nobody mapping out the blueprint of my place and trying to kill me in the middle of the night. See, paranoia is real and I acknowledge it and I am not, have not been smoking weed. So this is truly who I am. So where are our flying cars? And don't tell me about no motherfucking Tesla. Okay. Because if you drive a Tesla and it is cold outside and you got ice on your car, you cannot pop out the handle and get into your Tesla. Did you know that? Yes. If you look up like Tesla ice fail or something like that, you will see people being like, hey, I can't get into my car because I can't pop out the, the handle because of the sleek design of a Tesla. So don't tell me about no Tesla, no self-driving Tesla. I want a flying car. I want a car that I get in and it just propels me up high into the sky with no traffic. And I could just look eye level with birds and go to my destination and plop down in itself park and I get out and go and do what I got to do. I don't have to worry about people parallel parking because people out here in LA do not know how to park at all. I mean, at all. I mean, I have actually stopped dead in my tracks and watched somebody park and there was no car behind them. They held up traffic. This older woman, she was trying to park. She had a truck and there was no car behind Like There was a whole car space behind her like empty like uh, that much space a whole nother car could fit behind her and she could not figure out how to park and pull back into the spot I mean people were yelling at their windows I mean it was it was deep it was deep so where's our flying cars so now we're in a situation where we realize that Russia's money and power has come from it selling its oil all over the globe which is a part of the reason why 
um, Russia and Putin has have targeted port cities, right? They have taken over Crimea, Crimea, I think how you say it, Crimea, which is a port city. They have pretty much annexed part of Syria, which is a port that they want. Like, you know, all the coastal parts is what they want also, which is why they have like all these fucking like mega yachts, right? So Putin has long been trying to like go after these port cities in order to control oil in the sale of oil in the transference of oil. So... We realize now as the everyday average American that a good percentage of our oil has come from or through the hands of Russia. So now because we don't have enough clean energy in electric or solar car options, I don't think we even have a solar car option yet, like not on the market. Now, in order to back up our oil reserves that we're not going to be getting from Russia, President Biden at all are now having conversations with the president of Venezuela, who is another dictator in making who just a couple years ago, America did not acknowledge as the rightful president of Venezuela. And they said there was another man who should be president. But now that we need some oil, we talking to the bad motherfucker in Venezuela. And you know, we have a long standing history of Venezuela. Cause you remember that dude that was a president and he came to the United Nations after uh, president uh, George W. Bush spoke and was like, Oh, I smell sulfur. The devil was here. Like he straight up said that in the UN. He used to wear like polo shirts and like jeans. What was his name? He was crazy too. Hugo Chavez, former president of Venezuela. He was a president from 1999 until his death in 2013. And he could not stand America. He was calling us all types of sons of bitches and every which way that he possibly could. And we did not fuck with Venezuela. And Venezuela has a massive oil, oil reserve. So now we're back to fucking with Venezuela, even though we ain't fuck with them in a very long time because we we're still relying on oil in America here in the United States. There are oil reserves right here in America and the oil companies have permits to drill. They're just not choosing to drill. I don't know why they're choosing not to drill in America, but maybe it's for a better thing. You know, we had the Keystone Pipeline, which was to funnel oil across the country. And that isn't in motion right now because I think President Biden stopped it or Trump, whatever. There was a whole thing because it was leaking and destroying indigenous people's lands, like sacred lands. Oil is just like fucking up the water and shit like that. It's a mess. So we have all of these things that tell us we should not be relying on oil. And it was like over 30 years ago, like a hundred and something scientists said if we want to like help with the gas and the climate change issues and global warming we should definitely move away from oil and the people that own oil was like nah fuck that I want my money and y'all not gonna be talking about not having oil relying cars so here we are here we are now having to go up a dollar or five on gas and because we still rely so heavily on gas there are so many states that don't have a good infrastructure when it comes to public transportation. And all of this really brings me to our social media tweet of the day, which is mine. It comes from me. Higher gas prices, back to work orders, poor health coverage, gender slash race pay inequity, LGBTQ plus discrimination, union busting efforts, America's on the verge of a workforce breaking point. It's the perfect storm for real effective change in favor of the people. Now, what I mean by that is gas prices are going up, but wages have not gone up. I just read an article yesterday that said that rent in New York City is going up 
five, six, seven hundred dollars just arbitrarily all of a sudden they're saying oh the the renters or the owners of the real estate are saying like oh because of all the things that's happening we need to and they haven't their their expenses have not gone up right they ha- don't have to pay any more taxes no shit like that they actually get breaks because everybody knows that nobody was really paying any rent like that so they have had tremendous breaks and not having to cover the full extent of their expenses but now all of a sudden because all of a sudden people think that the pandemic is over now all of these real real estate investors and owners are saying, oh, we got to go up on our prices. So now rent in New York is going up, but pay has not gone up. And now you want people to go back to work. So you want people to go back to work. And even though New York City has a vast mass transportation system and most people do not drive to work every day, you don't think that the mass transit authority is going to up the fucking fare? $2.75 per ride to ride the train or bus in New York City. I promise you that will go up. Promise you that will go up. As soon as the majority of the workforce goes back to taking the buses and the trains, that fare is going up. It's going up. Gas prices are now on average about $4, a little bit more across the country. Here in Los Angeles, gas prices are going up to $7 arbitrarily arbitrarily already they just already i have driven around and seen three different gas stations have a price difference of a dollar or more just randomly now normally you would say okay in this general area in this neighborhood the gas is about this much i like to go to this area because it's a little bit cheaper but let me tell you something i've noticed when i drive to south la where the majority of like the black communities are like Inglewood and all that view park and all that stuff it is more expensive it's more expensive than when I come a little bit further north to like Hollywood. Just saying and I'm not, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. I'm, I haven't been here long. I can't really talk about the ins out of how they price gouge minority neighborhoods, but something don't feel right to me. But in all honesty, if somebody came to you and said, if you want to help stop a war, you have to pay a little bit more money in gas. Would that be the end of the world for you? And the fucked up part is that it might be the end of the world for some people who have to go to work because it is a domino effect. You're you're asked to pay more money for gas to help stop a war or stop the Russian invasion of Europe. But then you look at your paycheck and you're like, but I haven't been compensated justly. And depending on what side of the aisle you sit on when it comes to voting Republican or Democrat, you can say, oh, well, the Mexicans is coming and taking my jobs, which is not true. Um, I haven't gotten a pay stub or you telling people who they should make $15 an hour for working at McDonald's. Like we like to blame every other group instead of just saying to the employer or the politician, we need to raise wages across the board or we need to have universal basic income across the board if you make X amount of thousands of dollars or less a year so that people can pay for gas and go to work. They can pay for groceries and feed their children. Like we have financial issues here in America. And then you think about how much we spend in the billions of dollars. Like, do you know that I I know I always reference New York because that's where I'm from. The New York city police department has a budget that is higher than the military for Ukraine. One city has a, as a budget for their police force that is greater than the military budget, the military that is now defending itself tooth and nail against the Russian invasion. 
they have less resources than the New York City Police Department. When we talk about having our fucking priorities wonked around, that's what we mean. And I know President Biden last week said during the State of the Union that he doesn't want to defund the police. He wants to fund the police. And I call bullshit. We do not need to fund the police anymore. We're giving resources to groups of people who have proven to be inept at their jobs, who have proven to be racist. It is stated long time ago by the CIA or the FBI, one of the motherfuckers. They did a whole investigative report and it's out there. You can look and they said that the police departments across the country are being infiltrated by white nationalists and white supremacists. So when you hear stories of a cop beating or killing a black person, it's not that that's a bad cop. That's a racist who became a cop so that he can justifiably beat and kill black and brown people. So we know what the problem is. And that was a part of my like malaise over the weekend, which is like, yo, when will people of color know peace? Because at every fucking turn, there's somebody that is trying to stomp us out. And we see it. We see it. It's recorded. We have conversations about it. We have people who have master's degrees in African-American studies. We have experts in criminal activity. We have all of these people who can sit up here and write a thesis or a theory or give a podium speech or a TED talk about the injustices in America and how hard artists or people of color and then the majority is like yeah okay and so deal with it we're not gonna change we're not gonna stop and it's like yo it's hard out here for a pimp it's hard out here for a pimp case in point a story i read that i was like damn when will we know peace maybe that means that needs to be the title of this episode when will we know peace Here's a news story that shows you just how deep racism goes in the world. And I don't want to say America, because as we saw last week, when black people was getting kicked off of buses and pushed out of the line, trying to exit Ukraine, racism is real all over the world. OK, so I think that's another thing that we need to say. It is a global pandemic for black people 24 seven. And if you want to know how deep it goes when it comes to the products that we use. Here's an example. Johnson and Johnson controversial prison testing resurfaces in baby powder lawsuit. The company funded experts on mostly black men comparing the effects of talc and asbestos on their skin. Reported by Jeff Feely of Bloomberg News, March 7th, 2022. More than 50 years ago, nearly a dozen men incarcerated outside of Philadelphia enrolled in an experiment funded by Johnson & Johnson, according to unsealed documents. Now those studies have come back to haunt the world's largest maker of healthcare products. In one study, inmates were paid to be injected with potentially cancer-causing asbestos so the company could compare its effect on their skin versus that of talc, a key component in its iconic baby powder. Now, if you don't know, Johnson & Johnson recently had to pay like a shit ton of money in a class action lawsuit because their baby powder was causing cancer. And black women, I don't know about you, but my grandmama and them love to douse their panties with some baby powder on a hot summer day. University of Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania dermatologist Albert Klingman conducted hundreds of human experiments over two decades at Holmesburg Prison in Pennsylvania. The testing regime funded by entities such as Dow Chemical and the U.S. government involved mostly black inmates and the first came to light decades ago in books and newspaper articles. But Johnson and Johnson's involvement in the talc studies focusing on asbestos has been made public in the media before now. So 50 years ago, they were experimenting on us and they are not alone. 
right? We all know about the Tuskegee experiments, but for all the things that we hear about, imagine the hundreds of cases that we don't hear about. So when we talk about the breakdown, right, of the black nuclear family, what's the, the downturn in black health, right, in the black community, all of these things are a factor because there's always an unknown variable that, that, that is attacking us at every turn. And so I was really receptive to just the realization of this over the past couple of days because it's like, Every time we wake up, there is somebody or something that we don't even see working against us. If you are a black person in America, every single time. And I don't want anybody sitting here being like, oh, cool, you're being dramatic. I'm not being dramatic enough. And I'm not sitting here trying to be like, what was me? Shit is fucked up. Like, we know what it is. But it's just like when you are reminded, when you see the proof in black and white in front of your face and you're just like, oh, so I'm not crazy. I don't feel weird for no reason. There's something that's always going on. There's some boogeyman around the fucking corner hiding in the shadows that wants to see me fucking fall. And you're just like, and you're like, is it every day? Yes. Every Every damn day. Every time you wake up, just know every day somebody's coming to get you. Every Every damn day. Thank you, Mary J. Blige. So no word back from Johnson Johnson about what they plan to do. But like, if you have a an elder ancestor that was imprisoned at that facility in Pennsylvania, you should sue the Pampas off of Johnson and Johnson. Okay, sue them, sue them. All these doctors, like that's why that's another tangent. Like that's why it's important to go to black doctors, not the black. Surgeon General Florida, who is in cahoots with DeSantis, saying that the kids should not be um, vaccinated for COVID. Not that cool, nigga. But if you were searching for a doctor and you were a person of color, I highly recommend you get you a doctor of color because these white doctors was doing mad fucking experiments on black people just and funded by the U.S. government. Like, what was the purpose of putting asbestos on people's skin to see what? What? I don't. And then we found out that asbestos is bad. And I remember when I was in school, they were like, oh, we have to shut down a school because we have to remove all the asbestos because it causes like all of these like asthma and illnesses. And so it's like, oh, you found that out because you probably got the studies returned on you fucking around with black people in asbestos. And now ding, ding, ding. It's a hazard to America's health. So we are the guinea pigs. We are the guinea pigs. I guess in some positive news, uh, Lynching is now a hate crime, but according to all the uproar over critical race theory, you, you can't talk about lynching anyway. So I guess, is it, is that like a, is that, is that like a, does it negate yourself? Like, if a person gets lynched, it's a hate crime, but you can't talk about the historical aspect of lynching because that goes against all of this anti-critical race theory laws that are being passed. Again, you see, you see what I'm saying? On a positive note, I made lasagna today. I have not made lasagna in a very long time and I've been craving it and procrastinating about making it. But let me tell you something. I think the lasagna is what got me in the seat to record this podcast today, a day late. I already explained why, because it, it, centered me and it focused me on a task it took me off of my phone it took me off of twitter and it got me to a place where i just had to 
work on the task at hand. I was very in, intentional about being present in the moment. I made a turkey lasagna. So I ordered organic turkey meat, organic turkey Italian sausage. I ordered my fucking vegan ricotta, which is made from tofu. Um, of course, I used no baked lasagna because who has the time? And I made me a nice big old pan of lasagna. It's nice and, and nice and brown, nice and brown on the top. And um, I also put mushrooms and spinach in it because a bitch likes her greenery and she likes her roughage and likes her vegetables. You know what I'm saying? She likes her protein and all that stuff. And I can't wait to, to bust it down later today when it's going to be nice and settled. You know what I'm saying? Like when you let it settle. And I guess I was craving a comfort food now that I think about it. And also now that I remember that I'm PMSing, I really can't believe that I let myself emotionally spiral out of control these past couple of days. Because I was getting my period and I didn't remember. Isn't that nuts? Ladies, if you're listening, please tell me. Hit me up in the DMs and let me know if this happens to you. And that is the reason why I think God is probably a man. Because only a man will create a woman, give us a cycle every single month, and forget to remind us emotionally what that feels like until like a day or two before it actually comes. Because a woman will be like, you know, your period is coming. You know, you need to prepare for yourself. You know, you need to understand that you're about to not be rational at all. You know, you need to understand that you're about to watch a motherfucking cat video on TikTok and start crying for no reason. You bitch, you know, you know how you get when you get in your period. You know, you got to have some chocolate in the house or some ice cream. You know, you got to let any person that you date and understand that right now is not the time for them trying your fucking nerves. Like a female God would have told us. It reminded us like we would just wake up like, ooh, oh, I'm PMSing today. And then we just like clear the motherfucking calendar. But uh, I feel like a male God would be like, what? Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah, she'll figure it out. I had a, a conversation today with one of my dear friends about about religion. And, you know, with all of this stuff about the TikTok dance cult, I told you again, go on Twitter and follow Naima, a friend to the show. She really, truly breaks it down. When we talk about cults and, and religious fervor, and I say that right, right? Fervor, fervor, fervor. Um, I know I've said this before, but I find it really, really hard to just fall lock and step into the ideology and psychology of organized religion as a black person in this country because I know that the religion they're teaching us is not the real thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like imagine being from the island and just going out and being able to like pick a coconut off the tree or a mango off the tree. Right. And you're like, yo, this is how it's supposed to be. This is what it really is from the ground, from God to the sky, to the soil. This is it. This is where it's supposed to be unfiltered, unedited. And then you come to America and then someone's like, oh, you want a coconut? And you eat it. And you're like, what the fuck is this? This is not a coconut. But like, no. And they're like, no, this is a coconut. You're like, no, no, no. This is not a coconut. They're like, no, this is a coconut. Like, this is how our coconuts are here. Like, you just need to get to speed. This is how everybody here knows a coconut to be and a mango to be. It is just you. You need to get informed and understand that this is how it is here. And you got a fucking deal. And then you got to be like, oh, I guess this is the way coconuts taste now. Or you got to say, yeah, I'm never eating none of these fucking coconuts. And I'll just wait till I go back home and get my coconut. And I feel like I'm a part of the ladder. Like, I don't know what y'all think y'all doing here, but I needed to go back to the homeland or figure out what the religion was supposed to be. And I'm not saying just, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like Yoruba or Santeria and all that stuff. I'm just saying like whatever the spirit, spiritual realm was 
or maybe it's a new thing. And that's what my friend Miles was saying. He was like, maybe it's a new thing. Maybe it's a new understanding. And like with all the things that are happening right now in the world around us, it's like sometimes maybe it is time to go inward, right? If you truly believe that God created us in his image, then maybe it's time for us to really look inward and say, well, what is right for me? Because I cannot listen to other people because clearly folks have hidden agendas. Look, Johnson and Johnson was out here testing the specials on black men in prisons. Okay. And I'm sure they had a nice Black Lives Matter campaign. I'm sure they had a nice Black History Month. And I sure they have, I'm sure they have a nice, I matter of fact, I have seen their Black woman lotion advertisement. It's like a mother and a grandmother talking about, oh, we love Johnson & Johnson, Black People Lotion line, you know, the brown bottle. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure of it. But on the flip side, he was testing shit out on us. So like, you can't really trust anybody at all. And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's really not even a conspiracy because all of these documents are being unsealed 50 years after the fact. And you're looking and saying, wow, look at all the fucking damage that happened to our community over the past 50 years as a result of this shit. And then when you turn and you go and you try to hold people accountable, like, yo, you did this. they like, who said that? Who said that? Uh, bitch, the, the documents that we just unveiled said that, said that she was out here conspiring against us and testing us like these motherfucking lab rats and guinea pigs. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I don't want it to be this way. I don't want it to be this way. I don't want it to be this way. I really, truly don't. But then you think about things and you say, maybe we've come so far. Maybe people won't try to do the bullshit with us. And then just yesterday, just yesterday, damn day. I come across this story about a new play, Emmett Till, a new American opera conceived by playwright and libertist Claire Coss and composer Mary D. Watkins will have its world premiere March 23rd with an encore presentation on March 24th at the Gerald W. Lynch Theater. At John Day, John Jay College, both performances are at 7 p.m. Now, I've said to myself, why would anybody turn the death of 14-year-old Emmett Till during the height of Jim Crow into a, an opera? Why? Then I said, you know what, Chloe, take a step back. Because maybe, you know, this is, a, a, this is, you know, going to employ... Black opera singers and, and, and actors and I don't know. If, are they going to fucking dance? It's a choreography for a fucking lynching. Like that's also kind of how I felt about the news about like a new uh, color purple that they're bringing the color purple, the musical to the screen. Taraji P. Henson, Fantasia and a bunch of other people are going to be in the musical adaptation of the color purple coming to a screen or sh- streaming service near you. And it's, you know, backed by Oprah. And I was like, why are we, why are we singing and dancing about incest? Why are we singing and dancing about the trauma? And I understand that it was on Broadway, but like, I will move on. So then I said, you know what? Maybe this is the same thing. Maybe this is just, you know, a bunch of black people getting a chance to, you know, do their fucking operatic scale and show their range and tell the harrowing story of Emmett Till and Mamie Till, his mother. But then I started to read on about the synopsis of this play. And it says the story is approached through the lens of Rowan Taylor, a young white woman who teaches high school science in Drew, Mississippi. Rowan is against Jim Crow laws. 
Do you feel the white savior complex coming across? Just peeking in real loud, real quick. Do you feel that? Do you feel the white woman coming to save the day in the situation? Rowan is against Jim Crow laws, segregation and the racial inequality that she sees around her, but remains silent. Oh, so she's tormented. This is a tormented white savior who just wishes she could do something, but she's a white woman in a racist South who doesn't have any power. She is the opera's only fictional character and represents what Martin Luther King Jr. called the ultimate tragedy, the silence of the good people. Who said Rowan was good? Just because you don't speak about racial inequality doesn't mean that you are otherwise a good person. Like, don't make it seem like that's your only sin and your only flaw. Now, I said, let me read a little bit more because it features both a black chorus and a white chorus. Now, how many more white people you need to have? In this play about Emmett Till, if you're talking about one white woman who is this coming, like, so of course you got to have the white woman who teaches at the white school with the white students. And then you will have Emmett Till and his family and them come in every once in a while. Like, are y'all killing Emmett Till up top? And then the rest of it is this white woman and all of her fucking emotions and dealings with like the, the killing of a young black boy at the hands of a white woman who accused him of raping her. And she admitted and lied about it, but she's still alive, living her best life, probably watching Fox News right now. So I said, well, who would come up with this story? And that would be none other than Claire Cross, who said, and I quote, Emmett Till was murdered not far upriver from where I was a junior at Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge, shares Cross. No one in my largely white world would talk about what happened. A child brutally tortured and lynched. The breakdown of justice. White supremacy and Jim Crow ruled. Over the years, the pain of Emmett's murder continued to plague my heart. In 1992, I awoke one morning with the spiritual mandate to write a play about Emmett Till. I approached writing about him through my conviction that was tragedy. I approached writing about him through my conviction that this tragedy is shared and the way the tragic history of this country is shared. How is it shared, Claire, when they shut every fucking book and author and scholar down and want to talk about the history of America? Why don't you write a play about that? Why don't you write an opera about that? Write an opera about that and have it featuring all white people who don't want to hear about the shit that their ancestors did and put that shit on at Lincoln fucking center hole. Why are you using the story of Emmett Till to center a fictional white woman, i.e. yourself, that you thought that she was going to do back in the day if you could go back in time and be a motherfucking hero in retrospect? This is a problem. This is the problem that we have to deal with and live with. And it's so fucking exhausting. And not only did she write this opera, she wrote another play about Emmett Till called Emmett Down in My Heart. And it wasn't a... It wasn't an opera. And then she took that one that she first did in like 2013 and now has turned it into an opera. So she is doing it again and benefiting again and financially benefiting again from telling and rehashing the story of Emmett Till now in the form of an opera, but centering a fictional white woman at the center of the story. It is exhausting. Do you understand how tiring it is? I mean, it feels like every day they're coming for us. Every day. Right, Mary? Every day. Every day. Okay. So let's end this episode with some positivity. I mean, you know. Or resilience. 
It is Women's History Month. In each episode this month, I will be highlighting a woman whose story is not only inspirational, but oftentimes unheralded. Cut that off because I am not trying to get sued for copyright infringement. Thank you, Shaka. <laughs> Thank you, Shock Shocks. Okay, this week we are spotlighting none other than Frederica Freddie Washington. She was a singer and actress during the early 1930s. She toured the world with Duke Ellington and his band. The reason why she is notable is because she was a fair skinned black woman who could easily pass but refused to do so. She would use her passing ability to her advantage when she was on the road with Duke Ellington and his band to go into white only establishments and buy them ice cream when they couldn't go in as a group or, you know, soda and water and that sort of stuff. But she didn't want to pass. And people told her that she could and she could have had an amazing career in Hollywood. But she said, no, I'm a black woman and I'm not going to do that. She was born in Savannah, Georgia, and she moved to Harlem along with her family during the Great Migration. And during that time, she became a dancer. And she had green eyes and light skin and straight hair. And of course, that was the the fucking get out of poverty card. If you were a black person during that time to just go on and pass. But she said, no, 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 no. I know who I am. Instead of turning her back on her race, Washington reveled in it. She immersed herself in the Harlem Renaissance and she used her talents as a singer and a dancer to join and become a chorus girl with Duke Ellington's band. She went on tour traveling Europe and did many stage productions. She also had an affair with Duke Ellington. Okay, girl. Who was married at the time? Okay, girl. And she also starred in several race films that was black only film films at the time because they didn't allow for black actors and actresses to co-star opposite white people. They would do, you know, as we all heard from Lena Horne, um, whenever they would put Lena Horne in a movie, she would do like a solo scene where she was just a singer in a, in a club that was attended by the white stars of the movie. That way they can easily cut her out and she wasn't like critical to the story or the narrative. And so that's how they would have a black star in a white movie, but she wasn't like in the actual dialogue. Um, and so if you were a black actor or actress at the time and you wanted to act in a movie you had to be in a race film aka a black movie which is what we call now a black movie which is pioneered by another man his name is oscar oscar michelle um he was a filmmaker who directed over 44 race films and there's an incredible documentary out on him right now which i have to finish watching but he he wrote star produced i mean pretty much he was like the first tyler perry but like his movies were actually you know better than Tullivers. So um, he was uh, at the forefront of the black film movement. So Oscar Michel, M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Back to Freddie Washington. So she starred in countless race films, but in 1934, she played the role of Piola, the daughter of a black housekeeper whose life was closely intertwined with that of a white widow and her daughter in the film Imitation of Life, which is ironic because she could have passed in her real life, but she chose not to. But then she goes and she stars in a movie where her character is passing and rebukes her black domestic domestic mother because she's like, mama, I don't want nobody knowing that you my mama because I'm out here passing and living a white life and living my life like it's golden. And the movie was a massive hit. I'm looking at a picture of her right now and she looked white. Y'all. I mean, if you look it up and now 
understand there's two imitations of life because they did the story again. So the film and Freddie Washington became big hits. But of course, because of racism and being the 1930s and 40s, there were no other movies that she could really play in because they were not about to put her in another film opposite a white person if it was an imitation of life part three, four, five. And because it was such a hit, she got typecast and it would be another three years before her career ended because she couldn't find any other roles. And so she retired three years after her hit role in Imitation of Life. But her life wasn't over, just her acting career. In 1937, she helped found it what will become the Negroes Actors Guild of America, a group that advocated for less stereotypical roles and better working conditions for black actors. She also became a drama critic, writing theatrical reviews for African-American newspapers and served as a casting consultant for films and, thea- and theatrical for films and theatrical productions that concern race. In 1945, in an interview with the Chicago Defender, Washington says, Early in my career, it was suggested that I might get further by passing as French or something exotic. But to pass for economic or other advantages would have meant that I swallowed whole hog the idea of black inferiority. Well, go ahead, Miss Washington. Go ahead with your bad self. And that, my friends, concludes another haphazard episode of Social Misfit with me. And you know what that means. Um, Tim, would you like to come up and say goodbye to the people? For what? <laughs>